Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Hey, um, my name is Josh. I'm the Connections Pastor here. Thanks for being with us here on this Sunday morning. Um, I was called into ministry um, as a, I guess as a teenager, but for a long time, I kind of ran away from my calling, and um, eventually God called me into ministry and um, started volunteering, and uh, or God actually led me to, like, this is where I'm supposed to go and what that looks like, and I was moving from southeast Texas, so around the Beaumont area, um, and God had led me to a position moving to Virginia, so I started driving, packed up everything that I owned in my car. Um, that was uh, the car note was way more than I could afford on a ministry salary, um, and so went and started to head towards Virginia. And um, they called me, so I stopped in Atlanta overnight. I went I ten the whole way until I had to turn north. Um, went to Atlanta. And uh, was overnight, and they called me and said, hey, we're going to go to the beach tomorrow, so I know you're going to show up at around, like, I don't know, noon, one o'clock. Can you delay yourself for a few hours? Um, and we're going to go to the beach. We'll be back at around five. And I was like, yeah, I can do that, I guess. Um, so I took a, a long cut to go, um, if you don't know what a long cut is, that means the opposite of a shortcut. Um, we, I went out of my way to go to the mountains in North Carolina. Um, I, I am a mountain dude. If I have a chance to go to Colorado, I love the national parks, um, any of them. I'll go to all of them. Um, eventually, I will go to all of them. But um, I love the mountains. That's my place. And there's just something about being on a mountaintop and like seeing God in the mountains and with the sky, and there's something beautiful about it. It's not a surprise that a lot of my big mountaintop moments have actually happened on mountains. Um, so for me, that's been true. And so I decided to take a shortcut, long cut, um, to go through Asheville, North Carolina, which I love that area. If you've never been through like Blue Ridge kind of area, um, so started doing that and. Um, it was about a four-hour trip, which was uh, about right, so two hours there, and was going to end up in Virginia Beach, and I stopped because um, I'd had too much to drink um, water, um, and I stopped at a gas station, um, and yeah, anyway, uh, so I stopped at a gas station, and at this little gas station in Hickory, North Carolina, um, there is a stoplight next to a gas station right off the interstate right there. And I will forever remember that stoplight because as I did, I pulled up and I'm stopped at this stoplight and there's traffic coming across this way, right? And I'm stopped here. I'm supposed to turn to get onto the interstate. And as I, my light turns green, I go to pull out of like from the red light to go turn and this lady does not stop as she's going through the red light. And she hits me as I'm moving from Texas to Virginia. And um, my car is totaled. Um, it's really weird. It, it t hit it at the perfect right spot that it bent my frame. And if you bend your frame, like, you're done. Your car's over with, if, if you don't know that. Like, um, but she hit me at the exact right spot 
right above the, right, right in front of the wheelbase, if that perfect spot that bent the frame, and I was like, God, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> right? Like, like, you moved me from Texas to Virginia, and somewhere in a small little town called Hickory, North Carolina, you wrecked my car. Like, like what are you doing with this? That doesn't make any sense. Like, you're the one who told me to go, but you got this wrong, right? Like, you messed this up. Um, in that, and you, you probably hear the tone in my voice because now I'm like, oh, that was really dumb. Um, you don't tell God what he did wrong. Um, that's not usually doesn't go well. Um, so, but what ended up happening in that situation is I, just from the kindness of the wrecker uh, who came and towed my car to his uh, lot, I had to get to a place where I could rent a car, which there was not one close to the wrecker spot. I ended up like having to wait for five hours. I didn't actually get to Virginia until the next day. I had to unload my car, all of the stuff that I owned, which was not a lot, from that car into a Nissan Versa, which if you don't know what a Nissan Versa is, it is not a very large car. Um, and so I like loaded everything up into that um, and had to pull my seat all the way forward just to fit everything. And at that time, I weighed over 300 pounds. So I was like this. Um, driving in the car to Virginia, right? And so I'm driving and I'm moving, and this is a long process, like months on months on months of just like frustration from this, right? And I, I'm just like, God, you don't know what you're doing. Like, like we, I had this planned out, right? Like this was how this was supposed to go. Like there was a way that we were supposed to do all of this in you got it wrong, that lady was not supposed to run that red light. That's not how this is supposed to go. What I'm really saying is, God, I know what's right, and you got it wrong. I know how this is supposed to go, not you. I know what's happening, not you. And I have control of this situation if you would just follow me. Here's what's true. If you want to, if God is in control, it doesn't make sense to me. God is in control, and it doesn't make sense to me. And while that may be a goofy little story about my car, it wasn't goofy in the moment, I'll tell you that. It is now. But some of you have come today and your marriage is struggling. The pregnancy didn't go the way you thought it would. The relationship that you thought you had is not working. You came in here with a problem. And a lot of you are going, God, you got it wrong. God, you messed this up. I had control of this until you screwed up the plan. I know this, if you want to change your actions, you need to change your heart. If you want to change the way you do things, you've got to change your affections on the inside. And if you actually want to see things differently, 
You need to do some work internally. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. We're continuing in our, uh, our sermon series called Christian Concarne, uh, going from milk to meat. And what that means is we are going from baby Christians as milk drinkers. Cody will talk more about this next week. But going from milk drinkers to meat eaters. That we learn to mature over time. And what we're talking about today is one of the ways that God matures us over time. So Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth who is um, certain wa- in certain ways really spiritual, but also really, really get it wrong. So we're going to read in chapter 2, starting in verse 6, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Um, but Paul's talking to this church, and he's helping them realize that the control that you think exists within the world, the way that you think, think that things work, the way that you think does not work within the kingdom of God. The way that you process things in your mind does not work within the kingdom of God. It's not right. We've learned this process, and God has to pull that process out of us so that we can see things the way that he does, so that we can process them the way that he does. So that's what we're going to look at today in verse, starting in verse 6. It says this, We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So it talks, it says twice in their rulers, right? Rulers of this world. So what's it talking about? The rulers of this world, those are the ones that control the situations, right? That's the decision makers. These are the people um, that specifically Paul is talking about here is is probably two different. It's the government, um, which is tied in with the church within a Jewish culture, but it's the people who make the decision for at large, right? And he's saying these people killed Jesus. If they knew that, they wouldn't have, if they saw Jesus for who he really was, they wouldn't have done that. But there is this sense of control that they think they have over the situation, but is really a false sense of control. And that's what's true of our own lives. We have this false sense of control that if I'll just control everything, it won't be out of control, right? And that's the life that we lead. See, there's this truth that is underlying in all of this, and this is what it's talking about in that, uh, that hidden wisdom in a mystery, right? That it's kind of confusing. If you have a different uh, translation of your Bible, it probably says something different because there's a lot of people who like go back and forth on what that phrase actually means. But here's what it's talking about. Cody talked about last week that it is a— that Christ crucified is a stumbling block to the Jews, and it is foolishness to the world, to the Gentiles, right? So it is this hidden wisdom. It doesn't make sense to the world, but it's this mystery, and the mystery is Christ crucified, right? So there is this way that the world operates, the way that it all makes sense, and it is through Jesus. That's it. The world does not make sense unless it is through Jesus. You might hear people around you saying, I just can't catch a break. What they're saying is, 
I don't know how the world works. Because everything I try to do is just messed up. And that is true. The reason why that is true is because you can't even see what the problem is. Here's what I mean. I can look at this light, and I could say, the light's off, right? Y'all agree with me, right? Light's off? Yeah, okay. Um, just making sure I'm not up here talking to myself. Uh, so, the light is off. I could evaluate this. I could unscrew the light bulb. I could go through the wiring. I could go through all of those things and be like, there is something wrong with the light. Yeah, Josh, it's not on. Right? And there's a major problem with the light right now. The light's not plugged in. You can't actually find out what is wrong with the light until it is plugged into the source of its power. You can't actually realize anything that's going on in your own life until you're plugged into the power of Jesus. You can't actually evaluate anything, all the control that exists within your life, until you're plugged into Him. What I mean is this. As I plug in, God shines a light. It says that Jesus is the light of the world, right? What does that mean? Does that mean that everything goes away? No, it actually means it just shows up in everything that was wrong within your life. Now you can actually see. Right? Imagine you're around and you're in a dark room by yourself, right? And you're walking around the room and you keep running into stuff and it just hurts. Right? What does Jesus do? Clicks on the light. It doesn't remove anything from the room, but all it does is help you see what's actually in the room that you need to get rid of. Right? Like, oh, I didn't even realize that that portion of my life was going wrong. I didn't realize that I had that underlying thing that existed on the inside of me. Until Jesus showed up, I was plugged into the power of Jesus, and then once that happened, then I could actually see, oh, there's something that needs to happen. God needs to get rid of that within me. So that's what we're going to talk about here today. But first, before we get there, some of you see the problem, like, you see the symptom of the illness, but you haven't realized that the solution to the actual illness is you need to be plugged into Jesus. You need to give him control. If you don't give him control first, you cannot analyze the rest of it. If you can't turn on your car and it turns on, you don't know if it's not making noise or not. You need to figure out the power system that is plugged into Jesus so that the Holy Spirit works within you, that it starts to reveal things that exist on the inside of you that you need to fix, right? And when I say you need to fix, they need to be fixed within you. You don't actually fix them. And it's still God who does that work, right? He leads you and guides you in how to do that. So I believe that there's, uh, y'all ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie? Some of you have, maybe. Um, so what that is, is you say three statements, um, and two of them are truths, and one of them is a lie. I'm actually just going to tell you what they are. I'm going to give you one lie and two truths. Um, I'm going to give you a lie, and I'm going to back it up with two truths um, that actually combat the lie. So you ready for this? So lie 
Here's the one lie. If I don't control it, it's out of control. If I don't hold on to this, if I don't know every detail of this, if I don't manipulate this to, to do it, to, to work the way that it's supposed to work within my head, if I don't do that, then it will fly out of control and I won't know what to do. It's all going to go wrong if I don't control it. Here's the truth, guys. Life is too big for you to control. There is always somebody coming through the red light. There's always something that is not going to work out the way that you thought it would. What will happen when it's out of control, even though you were controlling it? Here's number two. God is trustworthy and he's powerful. You can trust him to have control over your situations. You can trust him. You can give him control. And he actually knows how it all fits together. And he's powerful enough that he actually does something about it. You have to trust him. You have to give him control. You have to be plugged into Jesus first. So that's where we're going to start. So verse 9, it says this. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human heart has conceived, but God has prepared these things for those who love him. There is something hidden in there. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Holy Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So God gives us an understanding of what he wants us to do through the Holy Spirit that is working within our heart. But I don't, I don't want you to get too bogged down on that because I think sometimes we think, well, God, do you want me to buy the blue car or the red car? God, is it door number one or door number two? Like, give me a specific thing and you think God's going to ride it in the clouds when you leave today. And he might. Uh, he very well could, right? Like, he's done crazier than that, and he will continue to do crazier than that. I'll say most of the time in my life, God has revealed wisdom to me that he has given me the ability to make a decision in wisdom through his truth that has been revealed to me that he doesn't give me whether I'm supposed to ride the blue car or the red car. He wants me to trust him in buying the blue or the red car. It doesn't matter whether it's blue or red. It doesn't matter whether it's door number one or number two. That doesn't really matter. What he wants is he wants you to trust him with whatever the decision is. If you've made the decision in wisdom, if you've checked it against what the Bible says, if you've checked it on with some wise counsel that you've surrounded yourself with, then sometimes he gives you the freedom to say, well, do I want to move to Virginia or Indiana? He did that with me. It was, a, it was a church. It was in between Maryland and Virginia. And he said, well, which one do you want to go to, Maryland or Virginia? I was like, well, I think both are good decisions. Well, which one do you want? Virginia. Okay. You going to trust me when you get to Virginia? Sure. And then he gets me in a car wreck on the way, right? <laughs> and that's, that's kind of my point is, do you trust me along the way? So we're going to pray right here, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to think about, I want you to let the Holy Spirit reveal this to you. 
Where am I trying to control my circumstances? Where am I trying to control my life? And then once you've gotten to that place, I want you to say, God, help me give you control. What do you want me to do? So I'm going to give you 30 seconds just to go through that with God. God, help me to give you control. What do you want me to do? Amen. All right, so we're going to actually skip a few verses. We're going to go down to verse 14. I would um, go back and read 11, 12, and 13 on your own. It's amazing. It talks about um, how God actually is, uh, it's not the spirit of this world, but the spirit of God who um, speaks to us and um, allows us to, to see what he's doing. But, um, so I would say go and read that on your own. But I, I want to jump down to 14 because 14 is going to really give us um, a really practical picture of what we do a lot of times in our decision-making, okay? This is what we do. Um, it says this in verse 14. It says, But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it's foolishness to him, he is not able to understand it since it's evaluated spiritually. So, here's kind of how I've phrased that for my own understanding, right? When you're following God, you're not going to get validation from the world. And a lot of times, you're not going to get it from yourself. Okay? Here's what I mean. There's a way that all of it fits together. And you have to view it through the lens that God gives you through the Holy Spirit, right? There is a way that the world works, and it works according to God and what he's doing. And a lot of times, we have made a decision, and then we go back to the people that exist within the world, and they start giving us advice based on the decision that we made that God has led us to, and then we wonder why our friends are telling us that we need to get a divorce, like, because they're not following Jesus, duh. Right? How many of us do that? Like, oh, I've made this decision, and instead of going to God and saying, well, God led me to this place that I've made this decision, instead, I go to my buddies at work and see what they would do. Well, are they following Jesus or not? That seems really obvious. But how many of us are listening to the voices of our parents in our own heads? That there's something that exists on the back burner of our minds that we're still hearing my mom or my dad speaking to me. That when you made this decision, are you basing it on their truth that they've told you that exists in the back of your mind? Or have you let the word of God speak into you so much that you've started to replace that with what God says? You get validation from God, and I believe it comes out, as I've seen it, in three ways within my own life. There's probably more. This is what I've seen. Um, one, you'll find validation within the Bible. 
God speaks through his word to you. That's why it's called his word, right? He will speak from his word into your ears and into your heart. He'll speak through community because as they are engaged in the Bible, that they will hear God speaking to them and then they will lead and guide you in wisdom as well. And there's this other one that's a little more, um, I don't know how else to describe this other than the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Um, there's just times where God has shown me and like impressed something upon my heart that I need to do it. Usually I've seen that um, whenever I don't do it because it sticks with me and I struggle with it for a long time until I actually do it. And he's like, yep, you should have done that the whole time, right? So those are the three ways I really see it. But every one of those is God working either through his word, through other people, or through himself in the Holy Spirit that exists and it dwells the heart of believers. Now remember, if you are not plugged into Jesus, you do not have access to that truth. You need to give control to Jesus before you ever get to that place. But then once we have that, then God will actually speak into us. So again, we need to evaluate, where am I looking for validation in this world? Where do I justify my own actions? This is the second prayer. It's up there. Where am I looking for validation in the world? Or do I try to justify my own actions? I'll give you 30 seconds. God, help me to find validation in you alone. Amen. So if we're going to change, if we're actually going to change the way that we control things, if we're going to change the way that we seek our validation, if we're going to actually change the way that we do things, the wisdom, which is, that's what wisdom is, right? That is knowledge that has gone from my head into my heart, now into my actions, right? That operate in the way that God has told me to operate then I need to move from validation to evaluation. I'll say that again. I need to move from validation from other people in the world to evaluation based on what the Holy Spirit reveals to me, right? Either through his word, through community, or through his impressions that he gives to me. Those are intertwined, by the way, right? You'll know that all three of those, if they're all three saying the same thing, you know you can trust it. Okay. This is what it says in verse 15. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So we struggle with evaluating. I don't know if anybody else struggles with evaluating, but I think we struggle um, with, like, evaluating what's actually going on on the inside of me. You know what I mean? Like, what's really happening on the inside of me? And I think it, it happens— for a couple of different reasons. One, um, it happens because we're too busy. Some of y'all spend way too much time on Instagram, right? Some of y'all spend way too much time on your favorite news station. Just what's true. That's me. I, I spend way too much time on my phone looking at news stuff that don't matter. 
and it distracts me from actually evaluating what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, all those sorts of things. Um, it also can be a barrier to hurt that exists on the inside of you. Um, I don't know if anybody else felt it, but when I said it earlier, and I talked about your parents speaking to you in the back of your mind, um, all of a sudden there was eyebrows raised. There's people who kind of sat back in their seat. They were like, ooh, is that me? It's me, right? I think it's each one of us. So own it. Don't let it be a barrier to actually evaluating. Don't let it be a barrier anymore. What we've done is we've taken these emotions and uh, we do what is the classic guy move, okay? Um, Classic guy move is to say, I'm not going to talk about my feelings. I'm just going to shut them down, right? Like, let's just not, like, I don't do feelings. That's not, uh, that's what we say as guys, like, oh, like, we're going to get together and shoot guns. We're not going to, we're not going to talk about feelings. I'll shoot my feelings out, Um, right? That's what people say. But here's the truth. You shove that down, you have shoved down the cancer that exists within your heart. That is not how a doctor operates. A doctor goes in and cuts out the sickness and removes it so that you can be healed. You shoving it down is putting a Band-Aid on cancer. It's not fixing anything. Matter of fact, it makes it worse because you're not, you're not actually getting rid of anything. The secret to changing is evaluation. This is probably, um, it's just the most simple thing that I felt like God was telling me is uh, you don't know what's wrong until you know it's wrong. Which is like, duh, right? But here's what I mean. If you don't take time to evaluate, you can't actually realize that there's something going on deeper. There's something actually underneath that you need to fix. And usually when that happens, it is my emotions that control me, right? I've acted out in anger. I've acted out in embarrassment. And I have to either shove that down because that's not what good Christian, good Christian people do. Or it just comes up and it bubbles up as a symptom of the sickness that exists deeper. Instead, instead, what if we could actually use those emotions? What if we could use your emotions to evaluate? Here's what I mean. Whenever I got into that car wreck, I was, I was mad. I was confused. I didn't really understand, right? But yet, there's something in the back of me that was like, God's doing something here. There's something going on here. And what I didn't tell you is that car note was $350 a month. My stipend that I was receiving to go to Virginia was $400 a month. Do the math. There's not many groceries being bought on that 50 bucks, right? I had asked God to remove that car from me. I just didn't know it was going to be in a car wreck in North Carolina. God gave me gap insurance that I had forgot about and paid off my car for me so that I could be released from the burden of the death that existed underneath that, so that I could go buy the car that's now sitting out in the parking lot right now, okay? He let me walk into marriage debt-free because of that. 
God was bringing so much freedom in a car wreck in the middle of North Carolina that I couldn't see because I was so stuck in my emotions. Use them. Don't let them go to waste. Take your emotions and evaluate them. Do what David does in the Psalms. David takes a step back from his emotions, and he goes, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so depressed? Why are you so sad in this moment? What is happening within my life? So here's what, I, I've got a three-step, just a little process that's been super helpful for me, but I think it'll be helpful for you as well. Here's the first part. Name the uncomfortable emotion. The reason why I say that is because I really struggled to do that. For a long time in my life, everything was anger right? Every emotion that came out of me, whether I was happy, sad, like, I know it's weird that happy was anger, but it was. Um, So, embarrassed, everything came out as one singular emotion, anger. And you probably have one too, that there is a common emotion that you go to over and over again. And instead of naming that one, name what's actually going on on the inside of you. Name what you're actually dealing with. Name that uncomfortable emotion. Okay, this is what I want you to do after that. After you name that emotion, I want you to say, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel embarrassed about this? Why do I feel uncomfortable about this? Why do I feel disgust about this? Because what I've seen within my own life, and I think this is true, is that the Holy Spirit will make you uncomfortable in that place. The Holy Spirit's going to work within your heart before when you weren't plugged into Jesus, you didn't even know that this existed. You didn't feel uncomfortable. You just went to the club and drank like everybody else did. And you didn't see anything wrong with it. Now Jesus has changed your heart, and now something's different. Now you can't do that anymore because something has changed within you. And you've got to sit there and wrestle with that. Why do I feel this way? So name the emotion that you're feeling. And then from there, ask, why? Why do I feel this way? And then eventually you ask enough whys down the line that there is a lie that exists underneath all of it. Every uncomfortable emotion that you have that the Holy Spirit is trying to pull out of you, there's a lie that you believe underneath the base of all of it that does not align with what Scripture says. And I want you to take Scripture, and I want you to replace the lie that exists. That if you take that underlying thing that it's like, I need to achieve in order to be accepted. That was me for a lot of my life, right? I need to achieve in order to be accepted. No, that's not what Jesus says at all, actually. I don't need to achieve in order to be accepted. Jesus saw me in my sin and accepted me right there. He changes me after the fact. He loves me so much that he died for me while I was still a sinner, but yet he doesn't leave me there either. Right? And I have to change that, that lie that exists underneath it because it became my truth. I believed in it so long that it changed my actions. It changed my affections. It changed who I was on the inside. And you need to change that again. You need to let the Word of God speak truth into your life so that you can be changed. So that's what we're going to do. This is the last time of prayer. I want you to ask, what am I feeling? What are my emotions? 
What's really going on on the inside of me? Why do I feel this way? And then once you spot the lie, I want you to say, God, help me remember that what you say about me is true. Help me to replace that. And what will happen is the affections of your heart, which is actually leading you into action, will change. And it will change your actions as well. I'll give you a minute. God, I pray that you would change my heart's affections so that it's guided by your truth. That I would replace the lie that I believe about myself with what you say about me. God, my emotions can be all over the place sometimes. And I make decisions based on those emotions and that leads me down a path that I don't want to go. God, I pray that I would follow you, not me. I would give you control. I wouldn't seek validation from the world around me. I wouldn't seek it from my parents who speak in the back of my mind. I wouldn't seek it from, um, from the people at work who honestly don't follow you. But I would be guided by you and you alone. God, you speak through me through different avenues. You speak through me through your word, through other people. Holy Spirit impresses upon my heart. God, I pray that I would see you in those things and I would choose to follow you, not me and what I think. God, would you change each one of us? We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.